Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly, the podcast that when 2 0 up doesn't bottle it to concede three at home. Uh, my name is Chris and I am your host. And this evening I am joined by two of our regular three. I have Mr. Jeremy Smith. Hello, Jess. Hello. And we have Phil. Hello, Phil. Hi. So, three people and France to talk about. So, as you probably all know, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the middle of an international week, or interlal, as I like to think of it, because I don't like international football much. But there is a World Cup this summer, so at least that'll give us something to watch after work. Hey, so, as you probably imagine, we are going to be quite... During work, possibly. Or during work, possibly, yeah. I I am already planning. Already planning. Yeah, I wish I wish I could get away with that in the old role, maybe. Um, so we're going to be a bit France heavy tonight, and we thought we'd just kind of pick through for forty minutes or so, just kind of picking through the uh, the last two friendlies, a uh, little bit about some of the players and positions, formations, tactics, the lot. So we're just going to kind of uh, have a bit of a round table discussion. So um, let's cast our mind back first of all to the last fixture, which was of course last Friday, wasn't it? These new international times really confuse me it's usually on a Saturday no it's not it was a Friday um that was France at home to Colombia um Jess let's start with you tune it up all was well playing well um comfortable looked a fairly sleek outfit um maybe come on to the kits later just because I like to talk about kits but yeah <laughs> all was going well um goals from Olivier Giroud and Thomas Lamar and then Luis Muriel popped up with a slightly fortunate goal to get Colombia back in it and then the second half, um, ending in a 2-0 defeat second half, which ultimately adds up to a 3-2 defeat overall for Le Bleu. Lots to discuss here, but where where did you did you see this coming? Because it wasn't, I don't think anyone saw it 2-0, but it was classically French, dare I say it, wasn't it? Um, not sure. I'm not sure if they... Uh, that sort of regular at giving giving away decent leads, but it was classically French in the sense that they kind of switched off, um, and there was a bit of what Deschamps called the suffisance, which I guess is a kind of it's it's a word that's been used a lot to describe PSG the last few years. Sort of, you know, we'll do the bare minimum and then we'll we'll kind of sleepwalk through the rest of it, and it came back to bite them. Um, I don't think it's necessarily um, such a bad thing in a way for France because I think two of the lessons that hopefully they'll t- they'll have taken away from that game are firstly that against top class opposition which Colombia are and um, they proved in the last World Cup and you just need to look at their um, their team sheet and you know when you've got Brighton players only making the bench then obviously you're a good team but um, <laughs> um, you, know, you can't switch off even with a two goal lead you can't switch off against teams like this. I think the other lesson learned is, and that is a typically French thing, they need to be more robust, they need to be stronger, stronger, um, musclier, um, you know, a bit dirty if need be. I think Colombia were very good at that. I think they bullied France. Um, interestingly, it was one of their French-based players, Aguilar, who sort of set the tone on, on Lamar after Lamar pretty much run the, the first 20 minutes or so. Um, so even though it was a, a defeat and um, a bit of a embarrassing one in the end, considering they had that two-goal lead, hopefully um, in, in the long term that there will be sort of positives to, to take from it. We, we can look back at it and say, 
well, you know, it's from that match that we learned a couple of important lessons. Mm. And lessons need to be learned. Um, Phil, there was a, a bit of talk about, we'll touch on formation here, because there was a little bit of talk in, in sort of the English press in particular, or those with a, a French bias. I heard Julien Laurence talking about the the four four two element um, and that France are one of the few clubs or few teams in Europe, sorry, few nations in Europe that still deploy the four four two on occasion. They switched to four three three for tonight's game, which we'll come on to in a minute. But is there a... A bit of an element of the four four two not working, and, and maybe that was what contributed towards the defeat, or is it purely just the foot off the gas situation? I think the you know these are friendlies, so you do have to kind of look at the situation of the starting eleven versus the chaos later on, because as you say, at half time they were two one up, and in the second half they made five changes, as did Colombia, but that means that you know things get moved around an awful lot that often in these games and the same thing happened tonight in Russia there were you know the first half was you know the starting 11 and then there were in fact six changes in the second half one of which looks unplanned so um, I think in a sense the half time scores in these matches are maybe more indicative of the actual plan and then there's the degree of you know trying things out getting getting people's feet wet that happened happens later on so yes it wasn't great obviously that they gave up a 2-0 lead um but you could see kind of what the thinking was and i think the 4-4-2 hasn't been something that you know the 4-3-3 is kind of seen as being the, the thing they need to do but obviously it is good to try other situations this did look a little bit like it was just trying to get everybody kind of on the pitch Although if you'd done it as a 4-2-3-1, because that front four was Mbappe, Griezmann, Giroud and Lamar, <clears throat> you drop Griezmann back a bit maybe and you could call it a 4-2-3-1 and nobody would you know, be looking at that and calling it names. So I don't know if, if that was uh, you know, a big part of the problem, but obviously Colombia are a very good team. So you know, maybe not the best people to start experimenting against. But yeah better to experiment in a friendly than you know when you're actually there yeah that's true and we do we we have to say columbia are a good side as well that's, yeah that's true go on jess yeah no i was just gonna say yeah on paper it was a it was a 4-4-2 at times it was because lamar and mbappe were staying on the wings at other times lamar was mm. coming into the middle and you know you certainly saw from the the second french goal that though you know those forwards really are sort of fluid bunch you can you yeah. can um uh, you know, swap places, interlink really well. And you know, in the in the press conference when when Deschamps named the squad, he was asked something about Mbappe and where his best position is, and he said, you know, you've got a very good player there who can play in an, any position across the mm. front, and he's proved that for his clubs, but he has also proved it for France. He's now played well. Um, you know, I think against. England possibly he was on the on the right of a, or on the left I can't remember of a four three three um, the other day in a four four supposedly a four four two and and today in the centre you know yeah. when you're we've had the debate before about how important formations are and um, they are and they aren't but the main thing is if you've got talented players I think that, you know that's the main thing and I think Mbappe has proven that he you know he certainly has a part to play in in whichever position. With whichever formation Deschamps sets the team out in. Mm. 
because looking at the the starting 11s obviously um Loris started both uh the thing it looked like Deschamps was trying out is what's going to be the center back pairing because we had Umtiti and Varane starting against Colombia um and they stayed on the pitch the whole time and then Umtiti and Koscielny against Russia with Kimpembe being brought on for Umtiti for his debut uh with kind of 10 minutes to go so it looks like Umtiti's got his place nailed down the question then is who is his friend um Kante obviously uh Kante also started um, both matches and Mbappe, but as Jess says, in two different positions. So that's kind of interesting that, um, you know, Deschamps is maybe got his key players in mind, but, you know, if the formation is different, you have a, the Pogba question and where do you play Mbappe is the Mbappe question. So um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how that solidifies um going into, you know, the next friendlies um, and obviously the the tournament itself. I think um, for those pushing for a 4-3-3, I'm not sure today was necessarily the best advert because mm. the first half, I mean, there was there was absolutely no link-up really between um, the midfield and the attack. And, you know, it's still very well having very speedy, um, a very speedy sort of threesome at the front, but they need service and they weren't mm. getting any. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I did kind of, I had the first half on the TV and then kind of got distracted because. As yeah. long as you weren't distracted by speedy threesomes, um, nobody mm-hmm. needs that. <laughs> um, let's move on. Uh, we, I've got a few things I want to ask about individual sort of players and how they work together, etc. But before we go into that, let's just let's just talk about tonight's game because after that 3-2 defeat in, at home to Colombia, they went to Russia, the host nation. I think it's fair to say, um, I don't think Russia are going to go very far in their own tournament no. based on what I've seen so far. They're not that very good. Could uh, be a problem, couldn't it? As long, yeah. as, as long no, as, they're not. <laughs> as long as every other team keeps off their cups of tea while they're there. Yes, um, and of course, uh, I mean, maybe Putin will do some team talks and you might see Russia go very far in the tournament. Um, less said about that, the better. I don't want to get uh, blown up. The, the goalkeeping, if if, oh. you, if you do get to the uh, the, the goal highlights, uh, the first goal, Mbappe, Pogba assist. The second goal was a wonderful free kick from Pogba right into the corner. The goalkeeper did, you know, do one of those lovely diving motions to to try to get there the Mbappe dribble for the third goal uh, did appear to go straight through the goalkeeper's legs while he was attempting to sit down yes which possibly isn't a good look no uh, really not really not a good look it was uh, Lunev rather than what's his name Akinfeyev, Akinfeyev. the man Um, with no clean sheets ever yeah yeah so if his backup is having those kind of issues that may also be an issue. Um, yes. I only read the other day, by the way, Chris, that uh, his last clean sheet before that massive run of no clean sheets was against Arsenal. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> of course it was. I mean, you know. But yes, he's gone quite a long run. I th- and fair to say, I mean, Russia have got a lot of injuries um, and no Andre Arshavin anymore because he's eating lots of pies. So um, that probably doesn't help there. I mean, they've, they've got some talented players, but mm. they were brushed aside by France tonight in, as, as you said, they fell 3-1. Um, slightly I think diff- the, the, their goal was, in a sense, something that we, we can maybe learn something from. In the, There was a defensive nulls up of 
very strange proportions from France uh, as Russia broke for Smolov's goal on 68 minutes. I think it was Kante appeared to be kind of just spinning around in the centre of midfield and completely lost his balance and kind of fell over. Yeah. And that's called then the, the, br- the, 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 br- the break was not covered, shall we say. No. I'm not entirely sure where Benjamin Pavard was supposed to be standing, but I was surprised to see him there. And Tolisso was actually the closest guy to uh, Smolov when he took the shot, which was... Yeah weird so I think that showed a degree of kind of disorganization after the had been um, kind of several um, uh, a couple of uh, substitutions going on and no it wasn't Kante because he he was off off at that point so um, it was one of those things where maybe the substitutions that kind of um, affects the run doesn't it that kind of affected the the rhythm of the midfield and and how they were covering everything and people got left behind and it just didn't uh, it didn't work out that well. But yes, I didn't see a lot from Russia there that suggests they're going to do fabulously well, which you know might might. They've had a couple of bad injuries, which hasn't helped. But... That's been yeah. the big thing, isn't it? There, yeah. their squad's been ravaged with injury, and and they would never. I don't think they've. I can't remember the last time Russia really impressed me, but nevertheless, I mean, France can only beat what's in front of them. Mm. Um, a switch to four three three, more or less tonight, Jez. I mean, there was all pace, Martial, um, Mbappe, and and uh, and Dembele with the, the front three to start. Um, I mean, that is pure adulterated pace, isn't it? Were you quite? Were you are you a fan of more of that, or do you sort of feel that Giroud is is still going to be the man with the nod initially? Uh, I'm still really torn on it. I, I genuinely can't decide. I love Giroud and I think he he always. I think he's possibly France's most reliable performer. You know, the, I'd say probably of the the starting 11s for these two matches. I think it's probably quite telling that um, Loris, Kante and Titi um, were the ones that, that played both matches because them, along with Griezmann, I think are probably now the indisputable starters, which is an, mm. an interesting development in, in centre-back. At centre-back, because Varane always, always has been. Um, and all three of them had their very dodgy moments. Um, one of Colombia's goals came from Kante losing the ball in midfield, which is very rare. And TT didn't look as good as he has done in the past. Um, and uh, yeah, I think Giroud doesn't, I rarely does that for France. I mean, we, we've talked all before about his limitations, but he knows exactly what he can do and he does it well. And mm. 30 goals in 70 matches, you can't argue with that. So I understand why Deschamps want, um, likes to have him in the team. You know he's, the chances are he will pop up with an important goal or two. And he does, you know, despite what I said earlier about the, the fluidity around the, the, front, the front three, I quite like him in front and the fluidity of three behind him using mm. him as a sort of pivot. Uh, he's so, and he's um, not stuck there either. I mean, maybe it's a couple of years on, but you look back at the you know the 2012 season. Um, some of his, in a sense, the key contributions he made. Some of those were assists. He got nine assists in that uh, title-winning season, as well as the 21 goals. One of which was obviously the the goal against uh, Lille, which set up the 
set up the the win in the final match. But also he he assisted you know from out on the wing for Utaka to get a point away at um, at the Parc des Princes. So he can do that if you let him. Now he may have slowed down even more five years on. Fair enough, um, but he is still able to do other things as well, which I think is is, is yeah. kind of important to recognise. I mean, I, c- I keep mentioning Arsenal for some reason, but mm. um, wish you you know, so, <laughs> some of the some of his assists for Arsenal, you know, especially with clever flicks and things, you know, I, th- I can mm. think of two. I think in FA Cups or in you know that famous goal against Norwich. That what I don't was think the one he where he, he sets up for. Ram um, sets up that was, for? something oh, the, that was that the Norwich, was the Norwich. Run, yeah so the Ramsey I mean, goal so in the he, cup he, was, he was still was. doing that but in a sense less on the wing but more an assister in the area hmm. which is also obviously going to be a strong point because then defenders aren't going to know is he going to shoot or is he going to lay it off to somebody yeah and th- that's going th- to cause you know, cause you know consternation and uncertainty which could only be a good thing I think he, you know, it doesn't fit the big lump narrative to give him credit for things like that. But I do think he's more skillful than people give him credit for. Well, and, um, was, wasn't it your quote a couple of years ago that you love his chest? Yeah. Was, was that one of our other writers? No, it was me. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Yeah. loves the Giroud chest. I mean, he is. I, I was gutted when, when we... Uh, we Arsenal sold him to uh, to to Chelsea, not just because it was Chelsea, but because he still got so much to to offer. Mm-hmm. I think it was more the classic Arsene Wenger situation in that he knew the player wanted to play and he let him go because of the service he'd offered to Arsenal. But he's criminally unrated. I mean, just the idea that people don't rate him. I know he has the odd miss here and there, but so does every good striker. Genuinely, I genuinely think there's a bit of. Zoolander prejudice there. People are jealous <laughs> well, of his looks. The fact he's very handsome, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and the fact he's got a massive goal scoring record. Um yes. <laughs> I, uh, I do I mean at the same time I completely understand why people are um people want, you know, a, spe- a speedy threesome again at the front. <laughs> and um I but at the same time, you know, you you can imagine if and when those three clicks say and whoever it is, whatever combination, like the three started the day, or maybe Lamar instead of Martial, something like that, mm-hmm. at their best, that could be absolutely frightening. Oh, yeah. But they're still very young. They're still quite inconsistent. And I do think there's something to be said for having someone like Giroud there, even mm-hmm. if at times it looks like he slows the game down. And for mm-hmm. what it's worth, not that you should necessarily be picking um, strikers based on that, but France can be very flaky at set pieces, Varane in particular, um, I think Shiru has quite got quite an important defensive role to play as mm. well. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, just in terms, let's, let's have a, a bit of a drill down. Then we, we've covered obviously the results now um, over the two friendly. So one positive, one slightly negative. But as we say, experimentation is is key at this stage of the season. So I want to pick out a few kind of areas or individuals. Um, I'm going to start with, and I'll kind of let you fight these out between you who wants to talk about hugo loris either of you fancy talking about hugo loris at all or oh, gone phil you've you put well, yourself on the line now well <laughs> i think part of hugo's charm is that he just the way he looks you know oh, after cool. anything happens he's just got this kind of very hugo look um i was watching uh, a video earlier of uh, Marek 
Kwiatkowski's um, presentation at the Okta summit recently when he was looking at XG and things like this. And Loris, he does, he does score very well. He is very good. He has this occasional temptation to end up in midfield, which because he's not built like Manuel Neuer, maybe looks a little less convincing, but who, you know, Mandanda has been one of Marseille's best players uh, this year, uh, this season, and has made some extremely impressive saves recently and is a very reliable backup. But is he... Is he ready to take over? Is he the right guy to take over? Possibly not. It would need to be one of the younger guys. And I think Loris is um, the right goalkeeper and the right captain for France. But obviously he's not, he's not perfect. But I'm struggling to think who would be better in that role given the kind of the presence he has, which isn't a typical kind of goalkeeper all pointing and shouting and yelling kind of presence. But I think he is a very reassuring presence for the back four. And particularly if they are going to be moving to playing around with that a bit, obviously they've got a lot of experience, um, Titi, Varane, Koscielny, but they are, you know, the fullbacks side of things if Kempembe comes in there are young guys there who need to feel reassured as well so I think Hugo is the best choice but uh, that's one of those things obviously it 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 needs to not be fixed in stone mm. if somebody is better than they come through but I think at the moment he is he is the best. Well, that's that's my concern, um, Jez. I don't know whether you... I mean, he's made a few fairly high-profile flubs um, of late. There was one, you know, even against um, Colombia. I I know there's going to be people who know I'm an Arsenal fan are going to say, oh, you're just biased. But I, I've never really understood the world-class tag. I think he's a very, very good goalkeeper. And like Phil says, there's the presence, the charm. He's good at interviews, etc. Says the right things. But... He's a goalkeeper that I always think has a big rick in him. And people who say he's very good with his feet, I'm not sure I see that, if I'm honest. Now, I do agree he's the right man for the job at the moment because simply there isn't anybody better. Um, um, uh, everybody knows I have a bit of a, a thing for Benjamin Leconte, but even he's not at that level. So is it a case, Jez, of, well, he's the best they've got, so we play him regardless? I think that's to do him a little bit of a disservice. I mean, there's been a couple of ricks recently. Um, the Columbia one, you could probably arguably put the blame on, on a couple of different people. Certainly, he's one of them. Um, and there was obviously the, the big one against Sweden. But, you know, at the same time, I thought he, he had a good game today, bailed, bailed France out a couple of times. Um, you know, the obvious big match recently was, you know, his performance against Germany in the semi final in the Euros. Uh, two years maybe isn't recent, but um, I do think he's a he's an excellent keeper. I I can't pretend that I know enough about goalkeeping to. You know, I've been interested recently seeing a few of David Priest's rants on Twitter when yeah. you know, pundits are criticising keepers for various things, and David Priest comes on to say, "You don't know what you're talking about." He did exactly the right thing. It wasn't his fault. Not about Loris, but in general. 
Um, I think Loris must have something because, as Phil said, he really doesn't seem the type to be a, you know, he's not a shouter or anything. He doesn't seem captain material in any way. Yet, not only is he France captain, he's also a lot of the time Spurs captain. Um, so I think that there's got to be a lot more there. In terms of um, play with his foot, I th feet, I think is a bit, bit of both. I think as a sort of sweeper keeper, I think he's reasonably good as a kind of place kicker I don't think he's very good no. um, but overall I'm, I'm, I'm happy with him in goal yeah there's a couple of ricks recently that, that are slightly worrying but um, I'm not sure there's any keepers around that, that don't do that and God, I said it I can't remember if I said it on, on this pod the other day so apologies if I did but I think that um, my concern is that I, I think possibly like managers I think that's just a position where where players possibly burn out quicker than others so who knows this might prove to be his last tournament but it just shows as an aside just how absolutely amazing Buffon is that he's been at yeah. that level for yeah. 20 years yeah maybe I'm being harsh but where I'm, where I'm not being harsh because I don't really uh I want to get your guys opinions on on this one um your centre-pack partnership going into the World Cup um, it's a lot of debate going on about this. Um, both of you can have a stab at this. Who are your first two? Assuming, of course, France play a back centre back two, which I think they pretty much will. Mm. Who are you going with, Phil? Who are your two choices? Like I said earlier, I think it is um Titi and a friend. Um, I think it was good that Kimpembe. I mean, he only got ten minutes, but he's now he's got his debut because uh, when we look at PSG. I think we agree that the best centre-back pair in there is Marquinhos Kimpembe. Um, so I would lean... I don't... Varane's... I don't watch La Liga much, so I understand Varane is not having the happiest time of it, but yeah, because yeah. whatever. So it's which of those do you think is going to be able to put possibly a not good league season behind them and focus... I would lean towards Varane, I think, with Titi, but it would be marginal, mm. I think, okay. on that front. Anything different, Jez, or were you on the same train? No, for me, definitely Titi and Varane. I mean, I still, like I said, I'm slightly concerned by the fact that he can still be pushed on, off the ball relatively easily, but I still think Varane's an excellent centre-back. And mm. I, t I also haven't, seen enough of him but from what I've read he's been a lot better this season than, than the last couple um, and yeah I think MTT's generally been excellent and to be honest Koscielny wouldn't be in my squad anymore Yes, right that's <laughs> the end of this week's podcast thanks for joining us, I'm off to beat Jez to death um, <laughs> no I mean I can understand both arguments I, I, would, I mean again yes probably a bit biased but I've seen what Koscielny does, you know, when he's on his game and granted the injury is a concern or injuries are a concern that Achilles in particular is a worry. I think if fit, he's, he's my, my leader at 32 with, with Ntiti at 24. Um, and I personally would actually rather see Kimpembe play over Varane, if I'm honest. Um, I think Varane's very good, but I think he's a lot more hype than proven ability, uh, whereas Mtiti, I think, has taken that level up to to Barcelona, and, and every time he doesn't play Barcelona, look a worse side. Um, and if you don't believe me, ask uh, either friend of the show Lana or uh, another colleague of mine, Joel Melwa, who 
follows Barcelona and has said exactly that. You know, when Umtiti's not there, Barcelona just don't look anywhere near as secure, which speaks volumes for a man whose first season in Spain. So, Lana, who's also completely unbiased. Oh, naturally, yeah. <laughs> never, ever be biased on this so or any other podcast. <laughs> um, okay, uh, just out of interest, rather, we won't have a discussion on this as such, but fullbacks, who would you have as your two? That's for me. That's still the absolute nightmare position yeah, on both isn't sides. It, I mean, because I Dean started against Colombia. Lucas Hernandez came on, so he's got his debut, and he started against Russia. Didn't have the greatest game. I think it's one of those things that we're I, the entire country is crossing its fingers and doing the rosary that Mendy's back. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Which is a risky thing to be relying on. Because yeah. even if he does come back, he's you know not played how many months, and then you look at the right, and it's like, um, I mean, Sidibe started against Colombia, Pavard started against Russia. Pavard also can play centre back, so that's I think how he ended up in a weird situation um, uh, later on in, in in the match tonight. And they're both good, but they're not top level. It's like that that is a the right back side is a is more of a worry because in a sense there's nobody that I'd say for whom we are crossing our fingers and doing the rosary, if you see what I mean. Yeah. There is a hope at left back, he might not be fit, but there is one at yeah. right back. It is still a bit of a situation and the fact that Jalet is listed as, you know, he's out injured, it, I mean that's worrying. Yeah. That I think I'm being being included. Do you remember some Corsia? We used to talk about Corsia oh, and how he was going to be a right yeah. back for France and what the hell happened there. Debushi could come back. I mean, I was just going to say Debushi's been uh, playing since, 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 since moving to Saint Etienne. He's had an absolute new lease of life. He can jump really high. Um, Suke? Why not? Suke, that would be great. But if he hasn't been called up by now no. yeah he's not going to get the call is he no. I, I think Mendy definitely yeah. is I think the only world-class fullback France have got right now and even then you know coming back from injuries even, even if he's sort of fully fit it doesn't necessarily mean he's fully back on form so yeah, that's a concern could, he's only going to take be fully fit. you couldn't be fully fit could you not not without no. that's I mean you know, their question I think it's a good I think it's possibly a good thing for France that um Atletico Madrid starting left back is out, so at least Hernandez is going to get yeah, yeah um, okay. a lot of play between now and the end of the season. Yeah, um, right back for me. I mean, I'm sure Deschamps will start with Sidibe. He obviously likes him, but for me, he's still a liability in defence. Yes, he brings a lot to the attack, but I don't think that's an area where France need that much help. Actually, it's no. the other way around. They could do with Mbappe coming back and helping defence a bit more. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I think I'd, I'd start with Pava. His stats in Germany are fantastic. He didn't do anything special today, but I thought he was excellent on his debut. Um, and, you know, again, like... I'm not necessarily saying he's a world-class right-back at all. but He might be less exciting, but he looks less likely to fuck up. I'd yeah, still, I mean, it's fair? certainly not France. It's certainly not only France's problem. I think it's a, uh, seems to be a, a thing in general with fullbacks these days. But um, a lot seems to be better at attacking than, than defending. And I still think that I'd, in my defenders, I'd still rather that they're 
their main role is that they defend and anything else is a bonus mm. yeah yeah it's, so it's basically a, it's, we we don't want kazawa in the squad <laughs> no no don't get me started on that train yeah. but okay. yeah i would i would have suke I would. It's not going to happen. Bit of a man crush on that man, but yeah, no, I agree. Okay, um, and we've we've done we've done the forwards to death, so we won't go into the forward line. I think we all agree that I think the ones in the squad now are probably going to be the ones selected. Um, who's going to put together? The only thing I'd say about about that is that um, I'm I don't really understand what happened with Ben Yedder. <laughs> no, um, I mean he ca- came on came on the first match and. Uh, scored um had a couple of half chances um didn't uh, you know they weren't they weren't glaring misses or anything it would have been a bonus if he scored but i assumed that he would either start or at least get a decent amount of game time tonight and and he didn't at all which is, no, i just thought it was it. very strange i know yeah. deschamps, deschamps does sometimes talk about what he sees in training so you know i don't know if it was something to do with that but it just seems strange to, to give him his first call up and not, not give him any time yeah yeah don't like you said the training element but but i mean i suppose to say the forward wise i mean there's still a space for someone to come in potentially but midfield um this is where it gets a bit confusing if you, if you look at how the attackers are lined up you would say uh, france have sort of seven attackers if you look at wide forwards or forwards but midfield um interesting that they class tom lamar as, as a midfielder because i'd say he's an attacker yeah. as well <laughs> Um, but when you've got then, I think Pogba, Tolisso, Matuidi, Kante and Rabiot do kind of pick themselves. Um, but then you've got Nabil Fikini. Still, I'm still not sure I'd have Rabiot or Matuidi in my yeah. squad. Yeah. I think but I'd have one or the really other. He loves Matuidi. So. Yeah, one one or the other for me, I think. But yeah, but it seems that both are likely Fakir to come back if he proves his fitness. Which you know, also, also Rabiot hasn't done anything for France yet. True, true. Yeah, there and, is. You know, he had a good chance today and did absolutely nothing. No, that's that's fair. So, I mean, maybe his place is at is at risk. Is there anybody else that either forces their way in, or I mean, obviously we're crossing the fingers. There's no injuries, but say there was a major injury, it, would you be concerned in that midfield area, particularly if France lost? I mean, probably Pogba and Kante are the two that would be the biggest concerns, uh, and who would replace <laughs> them if if they did get injured? I, I've said before, I still think Tolisso is actually more reliable than Pogba. And I tonight, I, I put a tweet out about it at half-time. Like, tonight, France were, were absolutely the image of Pogba, and Pogba was the image of France that did absolutely nothing whatsoever for yeah. 40 minutes, and then a superb pass, and then yeah, improved on it in the second half with a free kick. But again, yeah. apart from that, he did absolutely nothing. But yeah. if you're... You know, if two bits of brilliance help you score two goals, that's fine. So that's apart from need. that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Well, exactly. <laughs> that's that's the thing. So, but in this match, he did have two moments of genius. Often, there's just the losing the ball and and none of the other stuff. So, I still find him very frustrating. The problem is because he can do things like that. It's obviously difficult unless you're um, a Portuguese cock to leave him out but um <laughs> Portuguese cock I like that I heard it goes I don't, well I don't mean well. Nando's um <laughs> but um Tolisso I think is a more than capable mm. replacement and actually with Tolisso's versatility um 
you know, he's not like Rabiot. I think he would play in the defensive role if he needed to. He can do the box, box to box. He can even do a bit of a job, which he's proven before, as a sort of number 10. And he's even played fullback before, which we might need. Yeah, really? Yeah. For, for Lyon, not for France. But no, yeah, no, for no, that, I, desperate. I that. That was, that was the kind of the, the Brian Darbo era of Lyon. Yeah, exactly. Like nine positions from Montpellier. Um, yeah, I think Matuidi is in there because Deschamps loves him. And he was good uh, today. He put the kind of slotted um, square pass in from Mbappe's dribble for the third goal. But he... he I, I see a point in taking Rabiot. Matuidi, it's one of those things. You can't fault his... his spirit and his enthusiasm and his desire and maybe that is important in a team if, if is getting younger but you've got to find room in there for Fekir so yeah, if Deschamps gonna um, have a teacher's pet I'd rather it was Matuidi than Sissoko oh don't yeah, yeah fair don't point he, yeah, yeah I'm not maybe. sure I'm not I don't think Fekir will make the squad that's my prediction ouch I, just, I, I, hope I think there's enough you know, with 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 Lamar, with Griezmann, with Mbappe, mm. I think there's enough skillful players up front. And I mean, some of it just if, depends if, on when he comes back and how he comes back, because he has yeah. lost a little bit of form in the last few months as well. Yeah. I think I'm yeah, not saying yeah. I don't want him there. I just uh, my prediction is that he won't be. Yes, that Deschamps will be, in a sense, so wedded to his normal formation that there isn't the his best role is not in that team. So that might be might be one thing. Yeah, um, he also not his fault at all, but he also hasn't done anything for France yet, which may go against. against I would France. argue he hasn't had as many chances, but yeah, I take the point. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a difficult one because I, I love him, but I'm trying to put my bias aside, which I fail to do regularly. Um, and I know all the listeners are also keen for me to uh, ask Jazz, although I won't, uh, whether a Portuguese cock would work in a speedy threesome. Um, but we'll move on from from there. Uh, <laughs> Can can we mention the um, what I was talking about um, just before we started recording um, over the weekend? Uh, French TV uh, Canal Plus right. does this. You read my mind. Go on. Yeah, yeah. Does, does does this thing where um, Pogba has his own little documentary, um, and the episode that we saw uh, at the weekend was him and Griezmann discussing basically their friendship and um, working together with France and there were some slight digs at a certain Portuguese whatever um, but the key thing um, that's caused some debate over in France was when they were talking about going to the World Cup and Griezmann in particular said uh, our friends in the press please and his word was pas de critique, which means no critique, no criticism. And the, uh, you know, the, the pundits back in the studio were like, that's not our job. We are not here to be cheerleaders. We are here to criticize. But I think what Griezmann was saying was, please don't be negative. Because um, we've seen that in the past. The French press can be a bit like the English press at times about football when everything's going brilliantly yes they're going to win the world cup and something bad happens and the world is going to hell in a handbasket and it can be very kind of polarized positive and negative and what Griezmann was asking I think was you know 
kind of please don't be too negative about us and if he equates the word critique with negativity then you can argue he's wrong but I don't think that's entirely his fault that he thinks that um, that what he was asking for was basically support positive criticism you know constructive criticism or something like that so I think that's been that's been a debate that's been kind of happening here over the last couple of days because of that um, because of that uh, piece the the two of them did um, which if you speak French and you can find it it is very interesting um, but I just wondered you know obviously Griezmann uh, what he said what he was asking for I kind of understand it it might not have been said in the right way but as France moves towards uh, you know the World Cup how how do how do we approach that in terms of you know uh, talking about their chances and talking about them uh, in a trying to be in a positive sense I'm a bit torn on that because mm. um, I mean I, I agree that it must annoy players when when the media are so critical but like you said it, it happens it happens everywhere it is their job obviously there's there's always going to be certain individuals in the media that do it a little bit too much and um, concerning think of one or two in france that a lot of people aren't he keen was on because the yeah <laughs> um but you know it it's nothing at the moment compared to firstly the dominic era which was well deserved and secondly mm -hmm. the, the jacket era which wasn't deserved and yet and they went on to win the world cup um, Griezmann in particular I think benefits from from very good press which I'm not saying isn't deserved he does deserve it but you rarely see any criticism of him nowadays yeah. and you know, uh, even, even, they, they even covered the the issue of him you know blacking up which got a lot of criticism online and of course Pogba which you kind of understand came out and basically said there's no way no way uh, this man is racist I just looked at that and laughed I completely and, forgotten about that. I was yeah, thinking I more absolutely. in terms of the, um, you know, the uh, the taxi to the nightclub yeah. incident. And I think everybody. I, I don't agree, but even yeah. exactly. And there there are some people who suggest that possibly there was some racism involved mm. in the fact that he was. You the know, one it's that's been completely forgot. For, yeah, which I don't. I don't know if I agree with that, but it's food for thought. So while I see his point and i agree that it certainly would help to have the media on your side firstly yeah i think he comes across as a little bit too pampered and, and touchy and secondly certainly with with this france team and certain players and you know what you saw against colombia possibly um a bit more fire up the arse would help so uh, with pogba it often happens that after a match where he's been particularly bad and really criticized the next match he has one of his great matches. And I don't think that's a coincidence either. No, no, no agreed. Okay. Um, just before I uh, ask you one more opinion on something close to my heart, um, you know what's coming. Should uh, Cockle be in the team? Oh, not quite, but don't <laughs> tempt me. Um, finishing, well, I say finishing. What is success for France ahead of this World Cup? I will revisit this when we do the sort of games prior to the World Cup, but... What is a successful World Cup for, for France, given it's in Russia, given the current squad, given Deschamps, and given the teams that are already qualified? Jez, what would you take as acceptable? 
So I I think people overdo the criticism of Deschamps when they say, you know, just look at the squad he's got. They should be winning everything. I think it's a sort of unbalanced squad. I think they've got an amazing wealth of talent up front. They've got an amazing wealth of very good, but not absolutely top-class midfielders. And they don't, centre-back's not too bad, but in defence, I don't think they've particularly got enough. So I certainly don't think they're amongst the two or three best in the world. Um, depending on the draw, I, th- I really think they should be aiming for a semi-final, quarter-final, I think would be pretty disappointing. And final or winner would be um a big bonus but i don't i i certainly wouldn't expect them to win it at this stage i think spain germany and possibly brazil are still stronger i mean the spain germany did they draw one one in the early yeah yes and everybody raving about that game is just there over and above um, everybody else, and then Germany are currently playing Brazil, who you know may have recovered from the thing. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's going to depend on the draw. I think quarterfinal minimum, and hope they get a semi final, but it's going to depend on who that's against. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, well, I, I, mean, I think they're going to win it, and they'll win every game four 0 So, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd take that. I'd be quite happy. With yeah, yeah. I, I actually do. I actually really do think they'll surprise a few this this summer. I I just have the concern that you know w- will there be a bit of a touch of arrogance about the French? You know, will their their qualities be their undoing almost in the terms of how? I really, I really think Pogba in this squad. I know it's something that always comes up with the French. I genuinely think that in this squad, Pogba is the only one. That can, uh, Mbappe a bit. The only ones that are guilty of showing a little bit too too much arrogance. Yeah, yeah, fair point. Thing, you know, I, I, I think I if you take think the Euros, I really, I really don't. So uh, that's kind of it, it's an interesting kind of uh, difference in how you how how you see certain. I'm not convinced. People. Yeah, I'm really not. I, I at Juventus, I genuinely thought hey, this guy could be one of the world's great players, but now I look and I go, I'm just not sure. But I could be wrong. And... That's the thing. I think he should be. He should and be. I think he got could all the be. Yeah. And but Stop yeah, I just I think the Euros is a good example. Um, I'm repeating myself because I was on the GFFM podcast yesterday and said the same thing. But you know, Germany were clearly the better team when they played France in the semis and yet France won. France were clearly a better team than Portugal and yet Portugal won the whole thing. Yeah. Fact is there's only two there's only one major tournament every two years and only one or two teams can win it. So yeah. there's gonna be a lot of very good people disappointed. Yeah. On their day France really I think can be anyone but yeah. They can just as easily. They can also lose to anyone. Throw away two 0 lead and lose to Colombia. Or, yeah, yeah, that's the concern, isn't it? Okay, um, so let's get to the most important point, um, which everybody needs to know your opinions on uh, the kits. Uh, what do we think? <laughs> uh, I'm a fan of this whole sort of heartbeat monitor esque like thing going on. I, like. I was the white one. It looks like you know, kind of slubs in a rug. Um, I'm not sure. I like. The white one, yeah, I must admit, it's it's a little bit, it's like ticker it's got, tape, isn't it? It's got bits in it. Yeah. I know, but one thing I noticed: the um, pre-match warm-up kits are basically yes. the striped props that you. It looks like they should be holding a baguette 
and have yeah, a beret. Yeah, I, yeah, onions around the neck. Yeah, those yeah. are those are amazing. Classic stereotype. I, I actually yeah. quite like. Didn't they have a kit like that a few years ago with thinner stripes? Yeah, I've got it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I quite like that one. I mean, to me, there will never Plus be a better beret. Yeah, there, there will never be a better kit than France '98, the classic red with the thin white stripes underneath, the throwback to the platinum era. That is the kit of dreams. But I do like it, but France '2000 is my favourite. the one with just the thin red stripe and the curl collar. Yeah, yeah, I had that one. I think I've got that somewhere. Um, but I'm a, quite a fan of the new home one. I must admit, it's... I I really oh. like the home one until I've seen photos of it like during the match. I yeah, keep forgetting it's not the same as the previous one. Yeah, I mean, no, it looks it's disappointingly got, you know, a little bit the, too the much. The shoulders and the rest of it are slightly different colours. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, well, general I, thumbs in the middle then. It's uh, it's not quite as good as the the new America one, which is very very tasty. But yeah, um, and Brazil. It is it is, it is a lot better than the previous one, which just agreed. looked like a cheap Nike training top, rugby top almost. Yeah. 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 Yeah, agreed. Okay, uh, good stuff. Well, I think that all kind of round us off as, as terms of France. Other than to say, uh, Phil, you wanted to just to give a nod to some of the other teams in action. We're not going to go into huge detail. We just wanted to give them a little bit of a nod. Well, as to who's there's about one. 47 of them at the, uh, <laughs> it being an international week. So um, we've got the under-17s are in an elite round. Um, they're playing at the moment. The under-19s are in an elite round of the Euros. They've won three out of three in a group with Spain, Belgium and Bulgaria. They were two down against Belgium and came back to win 3-2. So that was a nice kind of contrary. I think they've beaten thing. Spain 4-2. 4-2 tonight. With a goal for Maulida and a goal and an assist for Guiri. So good yeah, night for and, the Lyon Musa Diaby getting the other one because the first one was an own goal. So Lenny Pinto got two against Belgium. Guiri's got two over all the matches. Aloui from Monaco has got, got both goals against Bulgaria. So the under-19s are tearing it up in Benidorm or wherever that is. And the under-21s are in the midst of qualifying for the 2019 Euros. They are top of their group with 18 points with Slovenia on 10. So I think we all know how this is going to go. They're going to <laughs> group comfortably and then somehow fuck up a playoff. Because that's what Standard. That's what they do. Every time. Um, so, yeah, that's all been going on. We've also had the Women's Champions League. Uh, the quarterfinals last week, Chelsea beat Montpellier 2-0 at Mosson and Lyon had a slightly tougher than expected 2-1 win over Barcelona. Um, the return legs of those are tomorrow, so it looks like Montpellier are out because Chelsea aren't going to give up a two-goal lead um, at home. But uh, Lyon having to travel to Barcelona should be very interesting because Barcelona do have a very good attack. Lika Martins, Tony Duggan, um, Alessandra Alves... Uh, as their front three. So you'd expect Leon to win, but hopefully both teams to score and it to be another close match uh, and an interesting encounter. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. And as you say, so many teams in action, it's hard to keep in touch with all of them. But good luck to everybody in action. And we will round off the show this week by just giving a quick nod to the return of real football. Um, sorry, I just... Real football and the Coupe de la Ligue final on Saturday. Yes, indeed. So Monaco PSG is the um, is the Coupe de la Ligue final, uh, which I'm, I'm sure even 
sort of non-French football fans will be tuning into. I think that's on broadcast TV in the UK. It bloody well should be if it's not. Oh. Uh, I think it's on BT Sport, but don't quote me on that. Um, and we have following fixtures for this weekend, the 31st leading into the first and Easter weekend. We've got Dijon at home to Marseille, which strangely might actually be quite a good watch. I mm. have a feeling that's on Saturday at four o'clock. It's the only Saturday game, in fact. Rich is Marseille. OM equals one man theory will be put to the test because I think Tovan's out for two or three weeks. Oh, yeah, that will be certainly worth a watch in that case. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, we've got two games on the. Um, uh, sorry, we've got one early game on the Sunday. Sorry, Gangon against Bordeaux at two o'clock. We've then got a series of four o'clock games. Uh, Carl entertaining Montpellier. Lille in a really have to say must win game at home to Amiens. Nantes hosts St Etienne, which strangely in a walked kind of way might be worth a watch. Uh, Strasbourg against Metz, similar reasons there might be a, a decent watch. And Troyes versus Nice with the evening game, uh, Olympic Lyonnais facing Toulouse in a game that Lyon really need to win. Uh, particularly if Marseille set the pace on the uh, on the Saturday. So, any of those jump out at, at either of you at all? <coughs> um, Strasbourg Mets could be interesting just because it's a derby, but not for many other reasons. Could, could be a massive car crash of just nuts proportions, couldn't it? In theory, yeah, uh, maybe for the wrong reasons, but you know, like you say, Nantes sixth, Saint-Étienne for ninth, but yeah, if anything's got. 1-1 draw written all over it I'd say it was that game um, PSG played Angers kind of last weekend beat them and Monaco's catch up game will be next Wednesday where they're away at Rennes uh, to kind of make up the numbers uh, because of their the cup match so you know I think Dijon Marseille might be quite quite good fun as an early afternoon aperitif before the uh, before the cup final um, yeah. which what do we think is going to happen there I've got a sneaky feeling Monica, Monica might do, that, might do it yeah, yeah I don't thinking, know why just yeah. something in the back of my mind that uh, says that I mean I, I, I mainly because I'm, I have a, a, a sneaky suspicion that Leonardo Jardim may not be at Monaco next season I wonder if this might be his parting gift to them I could be wrong, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know why. I just have a feeling that Monaco might turn it on. Um, mm. I, ho- I hope it's a good watch because, you know, it could be either a, a dramatic one-sided um, smash fest, which I hope it isn't, uh, or it could be a very close and entertaining game. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go 2-1 Monaco myself, but yeah, I don't know if you guys have a different opinion. Yeah, I, I lean towards Monaco. It might take extra time, but yeah, I think they might do it. Uh, Jazz, I'm assuming you're going 5-0 PSG. <laughs> Heart says Monaco, head says PSG. <laughs> That's blatantly a yes, listeners. That's blatantly a yes. Um, okay. so I don't think it'll be 5-0. It's not going to be like last year, as I didn't no. throw it. I've so just jinxed it now, and I can guarantee that's exactly what's <laughs> going to happen now. Okay, well, we'll, um, we'll of course be tuning in, and we'll have that uh, review of that game, I'm sure, uh, for you next week when we return with the Liga action. Um, any other business before we let our lovely listeners go into the night? Oh. Somebody's dishwasher's finished its cycle. <laughs> <laughs> I know that beef anywhere. Um, yes, any, anything else anybody wants to bring to the table at all before we close off? Uh, all good all good splendid that's that's what you call succinct uh and i will just leave our listeners this week by saying um i know he's technically not 
uh, Liga. He didn't leave Liga to, to go to America, but a little nod to one Zlatan Ibrahimovic. <laughs> the wonderful Full choreography. advert. Oh, and just the paper. LA welcome to Zlatan was just brilliant. I, I, there is no yeah. words that describe how much I love that man. Uh, even, even though I had to briefly hate him at Man United, I still couldn't hate him for very long. So, uh, yes, good luck to Zlatan in the US. Let's hope his knee holds out because uh, if he gets a run of games out there, I think he could be a very popular chap. And uh, I'm going to call it now. I think he'll end up in films. He's in the right place to do it in LA. So <laughs> he's got all the attributes. So I'm sure he'll do well over there. Uh, but uh, yes, do if you haven't seen the advert, do check it out. It's quite fun. Um, but until next week, then we will uh, just give a big wave to our friend Rich Allen, who's got caught in uh, in work this evening. So Rich, uh, Rich is still still around. He'll be back, I'm sure. We can make time work for him. So uh, I'm sure he'll be back with us sh- shortly. But for this week, my uh, thanks go to Phil and to Jazz for joining me. Thank you very much to you both. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I've just put my throat back in. Uh, we'll be back next week, as I say, to talk PSG Monaco and all the league on action. Whichever game you're going to watch, enjoy it. Get us some questions in nice and early for next week. And until then, au revoir. <laughs>